Hi, this is a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for week ending Friday 27th of November. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, you'll hear us chat with Carly Oldest about the Artist for Kids Culture exhibition and concert. And we also had Michael Harden on telling us about the return of retro food. Uh, we also talked about where we lived when we first went to university and also we were joined by Stephanie Lake, um, the choreographer about the show Multiply, happening at Melbourne Fringe. It was good to see former Breakfasters film reviewer Thomas Caldwell uh, back on the show, talk about being the artistic director of the Children's International Film Festival. Our Friday funny bugger this week was Nat Harris, and we were joined from patern- well, sorry, from parental leave, Sarah Smith. Uh, and it was, she told us all about a baby. Yeah, it was really nice. Triple R. The extraordinary Kylie Aldest is vocalist with legendary bands The Bamboos and Cooking on Three Burners, whose latest solo album, This Is What Happiness Looks Like, was earlier this month, Triple R's album of the week. She's lending her considerable talents this Wednesday to the Artists for Kids Culture Concert and Exhibition. And to tell us about it, the Australian funk, soul and disco legend joins us on the line now. Kylie, welcome back to Breakfasters. Well, thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, tell us about uh, what you know of this organisation, Artists for Kids Culture. Well, I know that it's been going for 27 years and that they raise like quite astronomical amounts of money for kids who don't have uh, stable home lives and who don't have access to art. So I guess what a lot of us take for granted is, you know, music lessons and art lessons and um, some kids just don't actually get to do that. Um, and, cause, and so they also have a bus that goes around to kids and brings the art to them. So um, on this Wednesday night, uh, I, myself, I'm singing with my band to um, at a, a, what would usually be a big party where people come and look at art and then they bid on it. Um, so I'm going to sing with my band, but I'm also getting back together with Cooking on Three Burners <gasps> to sing This Girl, which is a bit exciting. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so that would be a little party because I, I was invited to do this because I'm a friend of uh, Dylan Lewis's and his uh, family, uh, one of his sister-in-law is uh, organising at Penny. And um, so it's kind of an in-house thing and, you know, they told me about this this uh, concept of this charity and I thought it was fantastic, you know. So um, I'm all for doing stuff for kids and, um, you know, if any kids can, who don't have access to musical art, you know, if I can help that happen, then I'm, I'm down with it. It's quite a lineup, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And there's, um, there's Alice Sky as well. So, um, and there's, I, I think there's, uh, well, Brian Dan Curvis is going to be, there's lots and lots of things happening. So I think there'll be, you know, little movies played with the kids that have, um, you know, been helped. Um, and there's just, there's, I think there's, uh, there's 93 artworks or something like that that mm. you can bid on. And there's, you know, fantastic stuff. I've uh, tried to look through all of it, but it's just amazing. And I think, you know, like a lot of it is, you know, expensive artwork that I would never be able to buy, but hopefully some. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, the money goes to the kids. Cool. Uh, what What was the role of creativity and imagination and the opportunities you received as a kid that you you think are sort of essential for other children in Australia? Well, I was quite lucky. I, I lived in lots of countries and moved around the world. But um, one of the things that I remember doing was because my family is from Hay in New South Wales, so we were considered outback and we were given um, access to lots of things that other kids wouldn't be given access to. So, like, um, like we got clowns that came from the city and taught us how to juggle and taught us how to do all sorts of crazy things. And then uh, also how to spit fire. I mean, you know, like, that was amazing. And um, then we also had... Uh, a breakdancing teacher come from, you know, from Melbourne and also a jazz ballet teacher come from Melbourne because, yeah, and so we were given that opportunity because we were considered to have, you know, nothing. So, yeah, I was, we were, I thought that was really lucky and we wouldn't have had that otherwise, I think. Can we just do a little rewind on um, the spitting fire thing <laughs> that you just mentioned? Um, how, how, how old were you and wh- what did you learn? Um, well, we probably 14. And at the age of 14, you know, you're getting a little bit bored. And so if somebody comes along and says, you know, want to learn to juggle, we're like, yeah, whatever, dude, you're not very cool. But then they go, how about put some kerosene in your mouth and set fire to it? We're like, oh, now you're talking. Amazing. (laughs) Sorry, just quickly. I um, was self-taught that fire breathing thing. um, Self-taught? Yeah, I yeah, just I, I let you. You've got to spray it when you spit the kerosene out, right? Yeah. You got to. You can't just dribble it out. You got to. 
you're going to put it out. Yeah. Uh, but also the other important thing to check is uh, which way the wind's blowing, which I I didn't do, and I set my head on fire. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, did you learn? Did you get better at it? I did. I did. That- I learnt that I shouldn't do it anymore. Like you still got short hair, so maybe. Yeah. Is it like riding a bike? Could you spit fire now if you wanted, Kylie? I reckon I could. I reckon I could show Geraldine a few things. Yeah. We'll do a double act. You know, I'm I'm really good at spitting now. And what about the juggling? I can't believe this childhood. It's insane. Right, we got to juggle fire bat on bat. Oh, yeah. oh my god, that was a little bit more risky, but um, yeah, I didn't really na- I didn't nail that one, but I'm really good at spitting and really good at like spraying my spit, like especially when I've got the mouth full. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really it's taken a turn, spray. hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's real COVID stuff. You can do it with disinfectant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what about uh, – and I don't suppose you've incorporated any of this into your performing. What, what's it like performing from home now? Are you a, are you a master at it? <laughs> no, I, I actually threw myself in the corner a bit and had a tantrum because every time I tried to um, to do it, like the first time I tried to do it, I did a thing on um, Instagram and I had to run screaming into my son's lesson room where he was having a, a, a teacher face-to-face on the computer and I was going, help me, help me, it's not working. <laughs> so he, like, came running out and he helped me and then it fell on the ground and it was live and I started swearing and he was like, Mom, you're live, stop swearing. <laughs> so, yeah, then I finally got it back and then I realised later on in the day that this lovely lady sent me a message of the, her two beautiful little girls sitting up with their snack watching my concert. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, my God, performing in lockdown. Gee yeah, whiz. Yeah, at it. <laughs> And, and so, do you, do you, so you've got your son for help. What about Wednesday? You're all ready to go? Yeah, well, we're now to go to the actual venue. Great. Mm. Oh, my God. I think I'm going to have to take my own microphone. But, you know, like I used to be in a band with Dylan Lewis and he used to do his fire spitting on on stage and he's actually really good at it. I'm sure he can still do it. <laughs> Is, and what's, what venue? So you'll be streaming from the venue. Yeah, so at the memo, they've got a whole crew and they've got like microphones. Well, I'm taking my one microphone to spit on. Um, but they've got like a sound person, which is great because, you know, the second time I tried to do a gig for the Riverboats, um, my husband, I made my husband be the cameraman and then I spent the whole time screaming at him. So that didn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and who are, you, who are you looking forward to? Uh, well, what, what are you looking forward to singing? Well, I'm doing four, or four of my new songs with my band. So we're having a rehearsal tonight. Because all of us are just a bit like, well, I think we're going to do four songs. And we're all like, oh, that's about long enough. I think that's about all we can cope with. So we're having a rehearsal for four songs from my new album. So um, that's going to be exciting. And then, yeah, getting to sing with an actual band, getting to feel the music and getting to sing music out of my face. I'm really excited. Mm. About that. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> my God. Um, it's uh, it's Artists for Kids Culture concert and exhibition. It's an online auction and launch party. It's this Wednesday, the 25th of November at 7.30pm. It raises funds to assist children facing hardship to participate in the arts. And uh, there'll be 50 artworks up for auction. Do you think maybe you'll bid on one? Um, yeah, look. Uh, I'm <laughs> kitchen, so... <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about COVID... Yeah, we are like I, my brothers were saying that I have a pretend job and then it disappeared. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't think I'll be buying any went away. <laughs> No, but uh, you'll be performing for the people who will be bidding, and uh, you can head. To, I can give yes, exactly. Um, head to AKC. That's uh, Artists for Kids Culture. AKC org.au for all the details about this incredible event Wednesday night. Um, Kylie Aldous, what a champion. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's so lovely to talk to you. Have a lovely yeah. day and uh, go and buy a painting. I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> Triple R. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. Something with a crunch and very sweet. <laughs> For Food Interlude, we're joined once again by Michael Harden. G'day, Michael. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Excellent. Is it all uh, happening? 
It is. It is. I've been out in restaurants, like, you know, I'm kind of starting to feel like I can do it again. It was like, you know, the first couple of times it was very awkward. Mm-hmm. With, you know, it was like whoever, it doesn't matter who you were with, everything's like a first date where it's all a bit awkward and you feel like you're going to trip over your own feet. And, yeah. you know, and getting used to having servers um, with masks is, uh, is sort of something that uh, is, I didn't think was going to be as hard, but it's like, particularly when you're in a loud restaurant that I was in last night, and that's sort of, there was uh, the muffle, mm. and then there was, so it's sort of, you have to uh, listen listen closely. So. Yes, but once you've got flower drum under your belt, you're, uh, you've got your wings back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it's important. It's like, you know, I'm a professional. That <laughs> you know, I'm out there, you know, just thinking about the readers. What, um, what are you picking up on? Uh, what's what? What are the trends out there? I think at the moment, what I was seeing, like, and what I've seen sort of recently, is um, that I think that there's a bit of a movement towards familiar comfort foods, sort of particularly foods that um, have got kind of a nostalgia to them. So, sort of stuff from the 70s and 80s, and that was like, you know, speaking of flower drum, one of those things that happened there was like, you know, they've got one of the new things that they've got on their menu is a Scotch egg, mm. and there's been quite a few Scotch eggs around, and so they did the flower drums version of a scotch egg is so magnificent it was um it's like a century egg which is you know the dark egg that that's sort of stained dark and tea mm-hmm. and it's covered in um their their version is covered in quail meat oh. with um water chestnuts chopped up in it so it's got a little bit of crunchiness and then crumbed and deep fried Wow. So, wow. So oh delicious. So delicious. And there's been there's been quite a lot of, like I've seen a bit of scotch egg work around the place. There's one at the Lincoln Hotel in Carlton. They're doing one and it's um it's an egg, but it's done, it, it's covered in like pea, like a pea mash. Oh. And it's and so it's like, you know, vegetarian scotch egg, but it's like the sweetness of the peas with the saltiness of the egg is, uh, you know, like one of those ultimate comfort things as well. So, um, but these are not your grandmother's scotch eggs. They're not. No, no, we're not in. We're not in Kansas anymore. With them. <laughs> um, like, you know, we're we're heading off. It's like um, I went to there's a there's a new joint um, that opened on Gertrude Street called Poodle, and um, they do a good line in retro stuff. And I had there, I had Volavant. <gasps> uh, which you know, Volavant, you know, was has been around since you know the 1800s in front, you know, first seen in its natural habitat in the 1800s. Um, but it's sort of like you know, is obviously a 70s kind of thing, throwback 70s, 80s cocktail food. These Volavant, they've got one there that was filled with blue swimmer crab and tarama salata and topped with um, salmon roe. Wow! Yeah. What? Yeah. So delicious, and then they do another one with, that's filled with uh, with asparagus and with Gruyere. Oh yeah! So that's not sort the creamy of, chicken that we're used to in a Volavant. No, no. There was there was one a res- uh, actually a Volavant that I ate last year. There was at a restaurant with um, Kate Reed from Loon Croissant place. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like she's the, the croissant master in in, uh, in Australia, really. What well, we like to claim that, and um, she was doing a um, a collaboration with Electra Restaurant, and they she did this like amazing case, like her pastry's insane, um, and uh, filled it with uh, butter chicken. Oh. So it was an Indian kind of French mashup. So it was uh, that was pretty great too. Mm. Yum. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think about this, The you know, the whole, well, why do I go out to a restaurant and get something I can just make at home? I mean, obviously they're updating. You're making volivons, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But the, the idea of the retro food that yeah. and we, the we're scotch egg. Yeah, we're not all experts in puff pastry, Daniel. <laughs> why not? Um, but, uh, yeah, but I think that the thing is that, like, it's, it is kind of the, the joy of these this stuff is that it is like a, a – a heightened take on something that you're really familiar with. So, mm. you know, you go to somewhere like, like there's a restaurant called Superling in Carlton, which, um, and they do, and it's basically sort of like a, an upgraded restaurant version of um, traditional Aussie Chinese from the 60s and the 70s. So they'll do something like, um, you know, they'll do a sweet and sour pork, but they're using like beautiful um, free-range pork and it's not too sweet and it's not gooey and it's actually a delicious dish. And they're doing, you know, they also do things like they'll do, they do jaffles with mapo tofu. Mm-hmm. In, in the Jaffa, which is one of the most delicious things, particularly if you're hungover. Not that I'm hungover that often, but I do <laughs> end up there a bit. you got friends, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I recommend this highly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's even things like, you know, um, you know, garlic bread is sort of seems to be making a bit of a comeback oh, yes. as well. So there's kind of 
versions like, you know, Capitano in Carlton is doing this like fantastic um, garlic focaccia. It's like focaccia with garlic butter. So it's sort of like, you know, completely sodden and delicious. And um, and then, you know, Ben Shuri from Attica with his Attica at home stuff was doing a really fantastic garlic bread there, which is like a pull apart garlic. So it's sort Ooh. of like so that you can just pull them, pull them out and just, you know, shove it in your gob. So, um, <laughs> Is um, it's uh, he's he's been doing so. He also did another thing that he was doing was a take on a pavlova, which he called the Pavington. So it was this this high hybrid of um, lamington and pavlova. So you've got your bottom layer of a lamington, and then you've got jam in the middle, and then you've got a pavlova sitting on top, and you put that with some cream and with some um, passion fruit glazed kiwi fruit. On oh, the top of that, make that so, for Christmas. Yeah, Aussie made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like you know, kind of you know, he's also here because he's he's a New Zealander originally. It was sort of like that kind of war between. He was like, oh yeah, it's a it's a New Zealand Aussie hybrid, and it's like, hang on, mate, have no ours. So it's a hybrid. But uh, yeah, so it's and prawn cocktails. I was just going to of, ask like, about prawn cocktails. Oh, aren't yeah. they the most magnificent thing? <laughs> Just think that there are, you know, there's nothing to be some. Like there's um, Omnia over in South Yarra has been doing a prawn cocktail sandwich, which is kind of lends itself, particularly when you're thinking of like fluffy white bread with a crunchy crust, and then you've got you know you great prawns and you know all of that sort of stuff with a with a proper um, with a proper Murray Rose sauce in there as well, which is you know the mayonnaise, ketchup, and stuff. So um, he would he was he also added a um, pickled shallots. In there as well, so you've got that sort of bit of acid and crunch in there as well. So, any throwback um, dishes you think don't deserve a comeback that you secretly are hoping don't get thrown into this nostalgia menu? There's a, what? What would I say? There, there's. I think anything can be given a bit of a nostalgic twist. Mm. You know, as, like you know, things like you know, I, I I love a beef tartare, but it's sort of like the twists on beef tartare are amazing. You know, particularly like people. Um, like T. Lee at Anchovy, she does this kind of amazing peppered beef with, um, and it's got lime juice and chilies and everything's mm. sort of like a modern Vietnamese take on a, on a raw meat dish, which is kind of, you know, the Vietnamese cuisine does have that French element to it anyway. So, um, but, you know, I think anything given the, the right chef can probably make anything okay. Mm. I'm no expert either, but, but well, I'm no expert. But there, there's a place uh, on High Street in Windsor called Lasagna Lab that what? is reinventing the lasagna for me. <gasps> uh, so yeah, heavy foods that are retro. That's what we want. Yeah, I think it's just, and it's just that kind of. There's a sort of a sense of humour to these foods as well. Like it's sort of like there's a little bit of, you know, it's nostalgia, but it's like, oh, aren't they kind of daggy and everything? But when yeah. they're in a, a situation where they're actually delicious to eat, like you wouldn't really want, you know, a volivant that's like, you know, that used to be, you know, with some creamy gross crap in it, you know. It's sort of like you've got something that's sort of a, a bit lively. It's fantastic. And it's it's also, I think, going moving into drinks as well. It's sort of like I've never seen so many pina coladas on um, cocktail menus as I have. And, like, that's another one that sort of immediately people start singing that song and, you know, yeah. and going, isn't that terrible? But it's like when you drink a good pina colada with proper coconut milk and good pineapple juice and, you know, you keep the Malibu down the other end of the bar where it belongs, mm. you know, <laughs> just use really good white rum, it's, um, you know, it's a fantastic drink as well and I feel that we should bring it back over summer just to sort of have that nostalgia. Oh, oh yeah. Lord. Michael Harden, you've destroyed me. I apologise <laughs> for the involuntary sounds I've been making as you've been speaking. <laughs> oh, how delightful. You know, it's like, you know, you, you put garlic bread and, and volivant into the same set. <laughs> yeah. like most people weak at the knee. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. Look yeah, forward to it. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. I'm, I'm back in Melbourne. Uh, it's so nice to be here. I know, it's very exciting. I'm um, very lucky to be staying uh, with Kath's parents in their, their family home and it is it's yeah, it's so great. Um, my my niece is um, who lives in Perth uh, has gotten into university in Melbourne, mm. um, 
next year she's coming over to do her masters uh and so she's going to move in here like she's going to board here when she first comes over whether or not she'll stay is you know it's just kind of oh just that initial setup you know when you like moving just moving to a different city is like you need a launching pad yeah, and and this is it, and this is like, oh, what a sweet launching pad! <laughs> like, I, the, the part of me thinks like, what? Why would you want to leave? <laughs> like, if especially you know going to university and then being able to board somewhere like and and stay with people like Sam and Morag who are so lovely, and it would just be like, we just want to know. Um, uh, if you're not going to be home for dinner, just let us know. And if you want dinner late, just let us know what time. It's oh, like, yeah. wow. imagine that stability, like when you first go to, to uni and stuff. And also and you, it's, yeah. It's well, great. and you just got a coffee delivered this morning as well. Yeah, we saw I did. That. And, and I, I, I've got to say we're lucky that, I think we were lucky that Sam was dressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the robe was tightly sharp. <laughs> Yeah, dressed maybe is a bit generous, but it was clothed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's so great. And, you know, obviously my niece is quite excited because that's the thing that she was most nervous about. She was just like, oh, I'm just, you know, all the registration and all that kind of stuff is fine, but I'm just, I'm terrified about, you know, this thing causing her the most anxiety where she was going to live when she, mm. she got here. And we're like, oh, mate, I've got. I've got the place for you because they've Tim Morag have always had borders here and lots of overseas like couch surfers and and stuff so they're well equipped for it um, and they love it it's so great um, not like when I when I first went to university I went to university in Queensland um, mm. yeah like I got into at the end of year twelve I got into two two courses one was at the university of ballarat to do like arts slash teaching and then the other was to go to the university of southern queensland um to do arts and i remember i went to queensland because at one stage mum mum said to me oh we'll have to work out where where you're going to live when you go to ballarat and i was like oh hang on i haven't i haven't decided Mm. yet where I'm gonna go, and Mum was like, "Well, you'll go to Ballarat," <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, no." Oh. And so I went to I went to Queensland just to spite my mum. <laughs> Is that why you That's applied you in the first you... place, or yeah. was it a particularly good course? One of the biggest regrets in my life was not going to Ballarat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I went to the University of Southern Queensland. It was so far away from home, and I was just. And to get there, I'd catch a greyhound bus. So it was like 16 hours on a greyhound bus, like if I wanted to come home to visit and stuff. It was just the worst idea I've ever had. Mm. I think spite's a good basis for any big life decision. Mm. Yes. Does your mum know that it was one of the worst decisions? Does she know now? She does now. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I just – and I didn't last. I think I, I lasted like one semester and then I don't know if it was necessarily the university, but I just was not. I'm not an academic person, and I really, I struggled a lot. So I moved. I moved back home, you know, by the end of the year. But I think somehow I managed to get like three or four greyhound bus rides in between. Wow. Like it's a long, it's a long bus ride. Such <laughs> an interesting choice. Not even somewhere in Sydney. Like you know, like. I didn't get in, mate. You know, oh. the, you, the TR cutoff was like 22. Like it was such a low, you know, I think that it was even, yeah, like 32 or something was the, you know, TR cutoff to, to get into the course. Yeah, right. So that's, you know, that's why I got on like two choices. I got into, anyway, Ballarat I'm sure was, you know, what a, anyway, who knows how I would have gone to Ballarat but. I would have been a lot happier because I could have gone home a lot quicker. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's, I think Bob Ellis wrote about moving home for the first time is it's underrated as a traumatic event. The disruption really is quite profound for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, what, moving out of home? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. 
But it's so funny. You get so excited about it. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, but like an e- easy transition. That's what mm. I mm. Yeah. I, Where I did mean, you I, move? When I, you... I moved into North Melbourne and uh, it was a share house of me. There was a bassist in a post-rock band and a radio producer. Oh. And, a, um, and then a, we put a mannequin in the window called Cynthia. And um, I think that was a warning shot to the street that it was a bit of a weird operation. And I think Halloween, we dressed her in for Halloween. And I don't think we ever took down the Halloween decoration. It was weird. And did um, you, um, did you um, have some strings attached to her and then at Christmas time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> move her around? Home Alone style? <laughs> yes. That happened. Um but yeah, it was it was a it was a fun time. Um, but yeah, and and also when you're moving into a new city or anything like that, and having a launching pad, especially f- from Perth, mm. you come to Melbourne and then you get the lay of the land. You know yeah. what different parts of Melbourne are like, and then you work out what your next step will be and where you want to go from there. Yeah, exactly. What's your hot my hot tip for first moving to a city? Learn the public transport system. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, know what bus to catch, no problem. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's not six greyhounds to interstate. Yeah, that that too. Mon, where did you did you move out of? No, I went. I went to I from Melbourne and then went to uni in Melbourne and was at home for the first couple of years and then I went and moved to France and did exchange there. So that was a big shock to the system. But it was also oh just, yeah because your your light went out and yeah because I lived without a light. That's how months. that's how assertive I was as a twenty year old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, so I went and did exchange and uh, I ha- I hated starting uni. I, I had a really positive school experience, really liked school and then got to uni and was just like, it's just incapable. I'm so bad at making friends that I was just like, oh, well, I guess I just really? won't. Really? Yeah, I'm really bad at it. Um, so oh, that's a bit that I was good at. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I went to the O week. I was like, I signed up for everything. I was like, oh, yeah, rugby, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? Uh, yeah, great. So instead I just it. skipped the country because it was too hard to make friends. Uh, on my first day during O week, I think there was a – you went around in a circle and said where you were from and I mentioned Frankston and uh, someone someone says, oh, yeah, Frankston um, – uh, our family drives through there on our way to Portsea mm, um, with our windows up. I'm like, oh, good. It's good to be home. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun. Wow. Melbourne's own Triple R. Stephanie Lake, the artistic director of Stephanie Lake Company, is a multi-award winning choreographer, dancer and director behind the new one-off mass dance event, as part of Melbourne Melbourne Fringe called Multiply. And to tell us about it, the internationally renowned artist joins us on the line now. Stephanie, welcome to Breakfasters. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Our absolute pleasure. Now, what on earth is Multiply? <laughs> oh, look, it's, it's pretty wild, isn't it? I still can't quite get my head around the fact that it's happening. But it is happening. It's true. So on Saturday, we're doing a mass choreographed dance event for hundreds and hundreds of people. We're hoping for four to 500 people, which is so nuts, as you can imagine. We've been planning it for months and months and months, and there have been so many times when we thought it was going to be cancelled, obviously, but it's happening, and we just feel really lucky that it is. But the idea is that there's nothing the participants have to do ahead of time. They just turn up on the day and follow the leaders in front of them. So it's, it's really simple choreography, but... We're going to make something really amazing and beautiful together. Yeah, kind of a post lockdown, post lockdown celebration, and also a reflection on what a bloody tough year this has been. Well, that's right. I mean, if it's zero new cases today and zero active cases, and tomorrow is the same, then that will be it. That will be worth celebrating. Exactly, exactly. What better way to celebrate than to move together? I just think it's. Yeah, just to be in our bodies and doing something unusual and fun um, is kind of the perfect antidote to all this constraint and isolation. What thing does? Uh, sorry, sorry. Jessica. No, no, sorry. I think a, a lot of people, you know, um, maybe started dancing or definitely kept up dancing in their their lounge rooms during lockdown. How important yeah. do you think, um, you know, 
you know, for you even, like, was it to keep keep on dancing? Yeah, look, it's been it's been tough, honestly. It's been really hard on a on the dance community because we our whole thing is to be together and working together in the studio and be in close proximity with people. So it's definitely been really tough on the dance community. But things have continued. There've been loads of classes online and all sorts of innovative ways that people have kept rehearsing and making work. But um, but I know, yeah. But this but multiply is. is for general public, it's for anyone, anyone. You don't have to have any dance experience whatsoever. So, yeah, if you've been a lounge room dancer over the last few months or you've found you've taken up a bit of yoga or something, you know, and you just feel like you want to move your body, um, then this is for you. It's really, we, we want it to be completely accessible to anyone. And it's at Paran Square. So that, how do you intend to use the space? We're using the entire space. I hadn't, I hadn't, wasn't really familiar with Pran Square. I think it's relatively new, but it's a great public square, and we're taking over the entire um, space, so right up to the edges of of the lawn and the terrace and the forest. So, because the part of the one of the beautiful parts of the project is it's being made into a film. So we're collaborating with a, a filmmaker and um, because we can't have any audience on the day. So it's not for an audience. It's not a show because we can't have people gathering and, and clustering around it. So it's strictly for those participants on the day. They're all socially distanced. So it's this beautiful, you know, kind of fleeting experience. But then we're also making it into a film and it's just, it's, going to look so stunning we're filming it from above and in and amongst and so yeah it's um we're using the whole architecture of the space really as part of that mm. idea because i think Pran square opened and then lockdown hit and it was just yeah. sort of de- desolate so it'll be mm. good to blow the cobwebs out of the joint with some humans i think that's what they're thinking they're really behind it they really want to activate it they want people in there so they were really encouraging of this idea and they've been really generous in supporting it so it's it's awesome yeah i think it's a really i I really love the square i think it's great yeah um and what about onlookers are they welcome or not welcome well no not really no (laughs) so if you we can't because we can't have people gathering in big groups we can't yeah so that it's it's not for an audience, and it's it is for the it's for the participants. So um, yeah, if you there are still places we've we've um, we've nearly hit our target, but we've still got a few places left, and we'd love as many people to be involved as possible. So uh, if you're interested in it, then you have to be in it. And and I just can't reiterate enough; it really is. It's simple choreography. Don't be scared. If, if dance and choreography makes you frightened, don't worry. It's really, it's simple things. And there's there's a dance leader in front of you, and you just copy them. So if they raise their arm, you raise your arm, and we're just going to get this amazing kind of spectacle out of it because of the masses of people. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not intended for an audience, and there's nowhere for an audience to view it from. Yeah. So where, where would you like so to send people? Up. Sign up. Where should we do that? Uh, well, you can you can do it on the Melbourne Fringe website. So the project is called Multiply. Um, yeah, if you just Google Multiply, Stephanie Lake, Fringe, anything like that, it will come up. And there's a just a simple form to fill out. You just just pop your name in there, and then you get told where to enter from and and what colour clothes to wear because <laughs> we're doing a kind of a colour design as well. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be really, really special and probably a bit emotional. Actually, we had yeah. we had rehearsals with it. I've just been developing it with only twenty dancers just to test the ideas, and even that, even just getting twenty people together and moving together was really, yeah, we all got a bit misty-eyed. Honestly, it was, mm. it was really, really beautiful. And how are you uh, as a choreographer after a, a lockdown? Is it like riding a bike, or you looking forward to? Uh, the you know getting in amongst it as well. Yeah, it's been oh look, it's it's just been such a wild year. I I've had real moments of nervousness across the year where I've thought I don't. Uh, am I going to remember how to choreograph? Am I going <laughs> to do I know how to do this anymore? I've been quite kind of trepidatious about getting back into into the studio again, but. But um, no, we've we've got so much 
coming up that's really exciting. This is the first first big project for my company um, since lockdown, and what a way to kick off. Um, but yeah, we go into rehearsals for new work um, the week after, and and things are really taking off. Um, all sorts of amazing big projects are underway. So fingers crossed, you know, we stay out of lockdown because there are so many great things on the horizon. But, um, yeah, there's always that – there's just that little bit of nervousness, isn't there, that, that yeah. things might mm. yeah, go bad again. So, yeah, cautiously optimistic for yes. – amazing things to start happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, the new chapter kicks off this Saturday. It's Multiply, the one-off mass dance event takes place in Paran Square this Saturday at 2pm. For more details and to get involved, go to melbournefringe.com.au. And we've been speaking with choreographer Stephanie Lake. Thanks so much, Stephanie. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Great Thanks, Stephanie. Independent Melbourne Radio 3 R. Well known to Triple R listeners, Thomas Caldwell is a leading light of cinema criticism in this country who has taken on the role as artistic director of the Children's International Film Festival. And to tell us about it, the former Breakfast's film reviewer joins us on the line now. Thomas, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. This is this is awesome. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? T- tell us about Chiff. So Chiff, this is its, uh, the Children's International Film Festival. This is its third year. This is my first year as artistic director and it's... It's designed, it's designed to fill a big gap in the festival calendar. I mean, Melbourne does not have any shortage of film festivals, but it doesn't have anything that caters to children. And we're talking children as young as sort of four years old that we've, we've catered for with how this film festival has been programmed. So it's 20 films, um, none of which have been screened in Australia ever before, many of which probably won't show up again. Um, there's not a huge market for kids' films outside of what gets made in the United States or to a lesser degree the UK and Canada and even Australia. So it's films from all around the world, many of which have screened at other prestigious international children's film festivals that, yeah, we're putting on the big screen. And this was meant to happen months and months ago, but, um, of course, it went on hold for reasons that we all are aware of. And now it's a really exciting thing that families can do to get out of the home because I'm sure they're sick of watching the same specials on Netflix <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. And and did you focus group the films with your own family? <laughs> I watched quite a substantial number of these films with my own son, who was he was five at the time. He's had a birthday since then. But um, that was invaluable. I mean, I've, I've programmed films for young people be, be before and sometimes I sort of had to go on my own gut reaction. Sometimes I was able to go to screenings with young people. But this is the youngest I've ever programmed for. And I think the timing was great that I had a young person, a very young person of my own to sit with and gauge his reactions. And that was actually really, really useful to get a sense of what he was interested in, what was maybe a bit confronting. I tried to avoid showing him anything distressing. But... um. <laughs> He was helpful. Like, I'll turn to him afterwards and say, what do you think of that? He said, oh, go ahead and program it. And I'll say, I don't know if Blue Velvet is the retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and what? Give it, Cherry pick some highlights for us. Um, I think one of my favourites is we're showing the first three episodes of a new TV series that's an English-Finnish co-production called Moomin Valley of course, based on the Moomins. And it's um, it's an English-language cast. There's been two seasons of this show that's been screened in Europe, and it hasn't made its way to Australia for reasons I do not understand. Um, but we're showing the first three episodes, which work really nicely as a self-contained story. You've got voices like Jennifer Saunders and Matt Berry in there, and it is just so delightful and lovely. And, and this is one that I think anybody could see, any age group. Even adults will find this really charming and little kids will find it really lovely and comforting and delightfully weird. Mm. The moomins, are they um, horses? What, they, what are they? That, it, look, that's a good question. It's one that's been asked many a decade. I, I think they've been described as kind of hippopotamus-like. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, can t- I was going to say large horses or a hippo. Yep. Yeah, hippo somewhere, somewhere in between. In between. Yep. Also, you could stick a um, stick a stick a um, thing, thing, make it a unicorn even, Ooh. but it doesn't have the horn. Put a horn on the head, it's a unicorn. Yeah. You can say that about most things, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> and <laughs> is Lassie back? 
Yeah, yeah. So Lassie's back. Lassie's opening the festival tonight with outdoor screenings. This is a new adaptation of the classic novel. Yeah, Lassie Come Home. Um, and it's um, uh, uh, yeah, Lassie Come Home. It's a it's a German adaptation. The Germans do a lot of adaptation of classic English speaking literature. Um, and this is the the latest. And this is really really lovely and charming. And you know, I, I did I've, I've watched it a couple of times now, and both times I've choked up at the end. There's nothing like a a child and their dog running towards each other in slow motion. It works every time. But, but Lassie's lovely. Um, and we, 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 I'm normally against dubbing, but we've made an exception for children's films. And this one is dubbed into English. So, again, a good one for, say, that the seven-plus uh, age groups. Mm. What are your observations on animation uh, and how that's progressed and what you're showing there is so much animation all over the world. Again, we tend to think of it as mainly coming from America and to a lesser degree, uh, Japan, but there's huge animation houses all throughout Europe doing really interesting films. And we've got films in here from, you know, places such as uh, Estonia. We've got a Hong Kong film um, based on a series of uh, stories about Sherlock Holmes as portrayed by a dog. Um and a lot of a lot of the animation we've got a Swedish animation called Pele No Tail, which is based on a classic Swedish story of a of a cat, and it's quite deliberately evoking that more 1980 style, very simple 2D um, yeah, line drawings. There's sort of a bit of a retro feel going. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of these other countries don't have the budgets of Pixar and DreamWorks, but they have you know the good quality stories and and the charm. And these films just don't get seen in Australia outside of festivals like this. Yeah. Um- Tell us about the the program. The, who did the art in the program? Oh, I should know this answer, shouldn't I? I don't know if it's off of my head, but it is lovely, isn't it? I'm going to um, Kylie Holmes designed the uh, the festival with illustrations by Anita Lester, um, and it's a gorgeous looking program. I was quite delighted and surprised when I got sent that that PDF for proofing, and I thought this looks so good. I it's can't believe I'm involved. Beautiful, yeah, precisely. Now, um, just to You've been in lockdown. How many movies have you watched, say, in any given week? I, because of course I keep track. I'm one of those people, which is probably yeah. no surprise to anybody who knows me. I watch on average five a week, which is oh, actually wow. down from previous years when I worked in programming all year round. <laughs> God. And what's an, what do you think it is? A, obviously, the, the program's full of new films and it's terrific to check out. What's an old, underrated children's film, do you think? Well, I don't know if underrated, but um, uh, we, we're showing the 25th anniversary of Babe. Um, oh. is in the program. Um, you know, that amazing Australian film, 25 years ago. I mean, I saw that in the cinema on release, so I'm feeling my age. I saw it twice. I, I loved it. I... I yeah, that was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Film. Um, right. And it's 25 years. We are giving it this special tribute screening, and it holds up incredibly well. And, and it's sophisticated. I mean, children's films, it's great when they're simply entertaining and a good distraction, but sometimes they really go to that next level of really sophisticated storytelling. And that's evident in Bay, but it hasn't dated at all. Um, and it presents some really difficult themes and issues to younger audiences too. Like it doesn't shy away from the fact that life on a farm for an animal often means a very specific end. Um, And that's something I can say about a lot of these films actually. They tackle some fairly heavy thematic concerns but in a way that's entirely appropriate and palatable to younger eyes. All right. And what, what are the cinemas that you're operating in? So in Melbourne, we're at the Classic in Elsinwick, the Lido in Hawthorne, and then the Cameo, if you want to go all the way down to Belgrave, which is lovely. How exciting. Um, and tickets are all on sale now. It's uh, from what today you say is opening night? Yeah, and... it opens tonight and it goes for the next three weekends. Brilliant, till December 13. Um, for tickets and all the details and the gorgeous program, head to chiff.com.au. Um, Thomas Caldwell, congratulations and thanks heaps. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. It's great to be back on. Triple R. It's that time for a funny buggering on a Friday, and who better to administer the walls than comedian and actor and pilot headset wearer Nat Harris? I know. <laughs> Hello, guys. Thank Hotel you for noticing Tango the headset. Yeah. 
Echo, echo, echo. It's the only one I can think of right now. <laughs> Very professional. I know. How are you guys going? It's a brave new world. Yeah, isn't it? Come down. I know. I'm in. I'm in Melbourne for for a oh, few yay. days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm back back in the city and you know <laughs> taking in all the the action and the big city lights and yeah, it is. It's pretty exciting. Like I feel like it's been a while between chats. Like so much has happened now with the restrictions. Like since I spoke to you last, um, I've been on a V line bus. Oh, um, it, it, I was like this. It felt so exciting. Like I felt like as I was getting on the bus, I felt like I was like boarding an international flight and I'd just been upgraded. <laughs> wow. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the only time that a V line's gonna feel so luxurious. exciting and luxurious. <laughs> exactly. Where, um, and where I, were you going, and how long was the bus ride? The bus ride was three hours. Mm-hmm. How many toilet breaks do you think you get in a three-hour bus ride? One. None. None. I said to my sister, I go, how many toilet breaks do you think we're going to get? I'm going to get. She's like, I don't think you're going to get any. Yeah. Anyway, it was very stressful for me. Um, and also, there's no, just, Sorry, there's no toilet on a bus? No. A V-line bus? Yeah. No. Uh, you what, got, maybe, you, this should be. This should be. I think so. Three hours. I get really like, you, I was fine, guys, because I'm an adult. But um, <laughs> I just laid off the water. But it, it. I found it stressful just contemplating what if. Yeah. Yeah, yeah knowing that you didn't You didn't look at – are you sure there wasn't a toilet on the bus? I'm almost certain, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we won't go into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, did not, I did not – yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've really – we've nipped it in the bud here. We're, I'm glad we haven't gone down a rabbit hole about this V-line trip, um, the bus. But also as well been out, you know, socialising, doing the dinner parties, Um which is wild. I was at a dinner party the other night with my mum and she'd had, we'd all had a few wines. We're a little bit merry. And I just hear her shout, Oh, or like exclaim, I love this song. And it was, um, the song was I'll make love to you by boys. to Oh gosh. (laughs) Oh no. And she's singing, I'll make love to you by boys to men. And I'm like, wow, life out of lockdown. Crazy. Um, Baby all through the night. Yeah, exactly. I'll make love to you. And do, I be, oh anyway, I actually don't know the words. Yeah. <laughs> um, Your mum does though. We should have got her on. Uh, yeah, I know. We'll call her in next week. But I was out catching up with a friend um, at the pub the other day, and he's going through a bit of a rough time. Um, if anyone wants the details, just message in with your email address, and I'll send you a rundown. Um, but, yeah, so I was just trying to cheer him up a bit and I noticed that hands down, like, he pepped up the most when we started talking about um, people who had gone through a breakup during lockdown. Mm. Like, he's, yeah, his mood just really lifted. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, it's so to the point where we would be having a conversation and I'd be like, I just remembered another one. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like Pat and Michael, and I'd be like, "Whoa!" And I'd be like, "Harry and Sally, Listen, Mary, like Rob and Susie," and like he just couldn't get enough of it. Then so the, the Schadenfreude brought him to life. Is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I just was like, started naming celebrities who had uh, broken up. Also works. Yeah. How did you? How many friends of yours broke up? Oh, like a few. And I suppose I just want to, like, this does sound like, in my defence, I know this sounds like we're taking comfort out of other people's pain and you'd be correct there. But I don't know. There's just something in knowing that other people are going through a tough time also. It's like since he's going through, yeah, a bad time. But, no, there's been a few. These are not super close friends. Were you reminiscing Uh, about older breakups? Like remember two years ago when Jack and Jill broke up? Yeah. Exactly. There's just some comfort in it. So what I've been doing is I've been messaging him daily updates from the Department of Health and Heartbreak Services. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just thought I'd read you. 60 active cases. Exactly. So I have, I've got it. So if anyone is, because I know it is, it's like if you are going through a bit of a tough time now that we are coming out of restrictions, at least in lockdown, it was like we all had this common experience. But now Mm. it's like the sun's shining and it's all great. 
anyway, so if there's anyone out there who's having a bit of a tough time, may find comfort in some breakups, I do have a bit of an update for you guys. Oh, so okay. I'm just going to go ahead for you. So this is an update from the Department of Health and Heartbreak Services, Friday the 27th of November. There are 672 active breakups <laughs> currently in Melbourne with 50 new possible cases reported overnight. Six of those were at Kmart in the storage solution section. <laughs> uh, no particular location, but Kmart in general has been identified as a hotspot. So has Christmas, moving house, itchy feet, literally not figuratively and being fundamentally incompatible. Uh, there were seven mystery breakups which were out of the blue, which include, we do name and shame here at the Department of Health and Human Heartbreak, which include Ryan and Josh, Linda and Mark, Gary and Gary. Friends said they wouldn't make it and seven years later they were right. Libby, Lisa and Geordie and Perry, Perry and Chai. Um, the rolling average is 0. 0.7 uh, and 0. 0.8 when Mercury is in retrograde. Uh, mm. Symptoms include the silent treatment, eye rolls and general <laughs> disappointment. Uh, also on the rise in Melbourne, uh, reminiscing about the first lockdown is up, making excuses to get out of catch-ups, leftovers in communal fridges that are, are unaccounted for and excess veggie boxes from organic delivery boxes. While <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing now. While professionals talking about how they really want to pursue their creative passion next year remains steady. Uh, on the decrease is COVID. Uh, so it's drinking in parks by 2% and binging Netflix alone in your room. So there you go. Outstanding. Thorough yeah. report. Very thorough. Thank wow. you, guys. So there's a bit of an update for you. And that was from the DHHS? What is exactly. it? Exactly. Yep. The Department of Health. And human. No, you checked. This is the third. Oh. the third name you've given it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I call it? First one was um Department. health health and heartbreak services. Yeah, that was. And then you said thing. health and human heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows text what we'll in. get. <laughs> yeah, text in. What do you think? I'm going live with the Twitter account. Tweet names every day. I think um, I'm saddest, saddest to hear about um, Perry Perry and Chai breaking up. That sounds yeah. like they were made they're, for each other. They're dear friends of my cousin. Oh, oh, I'm so surprised yeah. that Gary and Gary lasted seven years. years. Yeah. I know. They're yeah. sweet, but they'll be all right. Seven yeah. years. Seven-year itch, hey? Yeah. But a good, um, a good rebound first date might be some live comedy. Absolutely. So mm. get out there. Where would you send people? <laughs> For the rebound day, yeah. for the live comedy coming up, Nat. Pardon, that was God, It was just a fantastic segue, and you've ruined it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I told you it's been a while. The Comedy Republic got the gigs in December. Great rebound day. Well done, y'all. Well, you guys are doing this five days a week. You're sharp. You're polished. You know what you're doing. <laughs> You're at Comedy Republic in in uh, December. In December, I've got two dates there. All, all, all info on the website, and I've also got a gig this Saturday at Voltaire, which is character comedy. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, so that'll be fun. And that's in North Melbourne. Yes, that's correct. All right, Nat Harris. Uh, thank you. It's... No worries. <laughs> I hope all your relationships are going well. Yeah. <laughs> Triple R. Uh. Oh, this is very exciting. For the first time since abandoning us to have a baby, we're joined on the line this Low Bar Friday by breakfast Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi, guys. How are you going? Hello. Good very day. well. Who cares how we're going? <laughs> yeah. I know. Thanks for getting me up at 8.15. I asked Elizabeth, uh, our producer, if I could be on at 8.45 because I just wanted to come in and do the quiz, do the breakfast quiz because I, I have all this pent up anger to get no that anger is not a good thing to say when you're your mum is it I have a lot of um feelings I just have a lot to get out <laughs> you know I'm not sleeping very well so I thought oh I, you know what I need I need the quiz at 8 45 just to be have oh. a go annual but anyway some steam yeah exactly oh, yeah. you can you. come back and play the quiz if you want <laughs> can I no yeah. it's nice to be here at 8 15 and yeah. see all your faces what uh, uh, yeah tell us about what's on your mind how how are you how's the baby I feel like I've started really badly by saying I'm angry. I'm not. I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Give us, 
maybe start with some details. Yeah. What, uh, so, well, I'm how my my baby June Louise was born three weeks ago, oh, which still feels you. so weird to say. It's extraordinary, Daniel. I don't know how long it took you to get your mind around the fact that you created a human and you were caring for a baby, but it still kind of blows my mind. I look at it every day and I go, "Oh my god, I, this is our child." Mm. This poor thing has no idea what she's in for with us but uh it was it's it's still a total trip like three weeks ago I had I went in do you want the details of the birth yeah sure. what, do you want, what do you want details of of my life well first of all we wanted to know a name and stuff that yeah well should... do you, you haven't mentioned that on air no it's your oh, saving it all for you mate thanks well it's yeah June Louise and she's gorgeous she's really beautiful she and is. We couldn't name her for the first, even though we'd had that name for a very long time in our heads. Once we'd had her, we felt this great responsibility that I didn't feel like I'd ever feel in naming her and couldn't name her for three days. So she left the hospital as just baby Smith without a name. (laughs) I don't know if that's a common parenting thing, but I just suddenly... Yeah, my name changed. Did it? I was something else. I was Veronica for three days and then they were like, actually, no, let's go back to Monique instead. Wow. I feel like you could be a Veronica. Oh, well. One of the like, Veronicas, like, maybe. Oh. <laughs> like your sassy personality, your other sassy yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so that, so, but she's June. She ended up being June, which is the name we had for a very long time and we love very much. And we like to call her Junie Lou because I feel like it's setting her up for a life as a country singer yeah. if she chooses to do so. Perfect. Yeah. Amazing. But if she chooses to be a metal singer, then. She might have to lean against that a little bit, or she might just be like a chartered accountant and really. <laughs> I did don't you know. did you have music in the hospital? Yeah, so I had I had a um, elective cesarean, which was mildly dramatic because I had uh, we were the first cab off the rank for the day, so uh, six a.m. was our opera, or seven a.m. was the operation, which mm. meant that we had to be there at six. And obviously, didn't, who sleeps the night before something knowing that you're going into childbirth? It's the strangest feeling mm. in the world. And it was the uh, US election as well. So we kind of just sat up watching Trump news and going, oh, we're going to be parents in five hours, in four hours, in three hours. Mm. And so by the time we got into the hospital, I was a bit of a uh, a bit of a wreck. And um, But the, the team there was so nice. And they kind of put you in this pre-op and sit you in a chair and calm you down. But then I had to get a few wires and stuff put in my arm. They have to put in a cannula. And the nurse goes, when she comes up to my arm, she goes, I haven't cannulated in a while. And I went, oh, it's not, you don't want to hear that before someone sticks a cannula in your arm. <laughs> uh, and the first go was a bit of a fail and it, it hurt a bit. And um, oh, so I, all the doctors came up and started talking to me going, oh, do you have a playlist and having a chat, you know, trying to calm me down, chat to us about the music. And as they were chatting to me, everything just went black and I could hear – it was like I was in this big tunnel and I could hear this whooshing noise and I thought I was going to vomit. And I, being a classic woman and also me, I was, I just thought, pretend it's not happening, Sarah. So I kept trying to talk to them, but obviously they could just see me nodding off or whatever was going on with me physically. And then they said, I think she's fainting. And so I fainted in (gasps) pre-op beforehand. Yeah. And then, um, which was really dramatic. I didn't anticipate it. Oh, that was a dog. <laughs> dog. Sorry, Barchi's come up to, to to say hello, and that was yeah. That that weird noise was not my stomach <laughs> or me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, they were really lovely. Anyway, so they ended up bumping me. I had to wait a while. But when we went in, oh, he's so that dog. He's so cute. He's just keeps showing me a dog and distracting me. I forgot what doing breakfast radio was with Geraldine Hickey. <laughs> Um, and they took me into the operation theatre and um, then they go, you know, you, you get ready and they said, oh, we know what you've got on your playlist. And we had a, and they let us put on a playlist and they were very excited about it. We thought it had, it had upset them, but they were, they were mm-hmm. said that they'd been discussing whether we were going to have metal music or what the most inappropriate music we could possibly have would be. <laughs> um, but she was born between the Beach Boys, All I Want to Do, and Lauren, oh. and Lauren Hill's um, You're Just Too Good to Be True. Oh. So she came oh. out. I know. And they both rhyme with um, Junie Lou. Oh, they do. Oh, perfect. Isn't that perfect? Yeah. So it was a pretty and a, a pretty spectacular moment. Like I'll never. You don't forget that. Oh, and how long are you in hospital for? Uh, about three or four days. Mm-hmm. And we got 
uh, we got our own room, which was cool. So Andrew got to kind of stay there and mm. you just went into this weird little bubble where it was just the three of us and these midwives coming in, checking on you, making sure that you haven't lost your mind because you just can't believe what's happened. It's it's like stepping onto another planet. I mean, Daniel, you went through this, but it was just, you just suddenly, you know, I was in this operation theatre for five minutes and then someone holds up this baby and goes, here's your child. Yeah. And your whole world just changes. And it was just so extraordinary. And I was um, very emotional for three or four days. Actually, I've been emotional for two weeks. There's been lots of, te- lots of tears, and uh, but lots of happiness. Like, tears are happy, not bad things. But, uh, yeah, so kind of three or four days in hospital, and then there's the moment where they go, okay, time See to go. Ya. Yeah, and it's just 9 a.m. in the morning. They go, all right, off you go. And we're kind of walking out shaking. I'm barely walking and holding this baby for dear life, worried that we're going to drop it, and then spending 55 minutes trying to get it in the goddamn <laughs> capsule. Yeah. Because you're so scared that you're going to hurt this tiny little child, and uh, yeah, so that was pretty. That was a pretty spectacular. How was the? Uh, how did you get home? In a car. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I walked. Well, I mean, it's, I don't. Well, that's the thing. I mean, how? How? What was the drive home like? It was good. It was very, very slow, and I, I sat bet. in the back seat with with the baby, kind of. I don't know. No one told me that parenting is just trying to put your baby to bed constantly and then once they're asleep spending three hours hovering over them with your finger under their nose and <laughs> then you go, please wake up again oh god so that was what the first i did that the other day <laughs> i was hoping that it ends after a couple of no. weeks you're less stressed but I that was, was slunched over i was like what have i done <laughs> This is my entire life right now. Yeah. Every time my head nods forward, I put some socks under it because I freak out. So I, anyway, that was the car ride home. I just kept putting my finger under her nose and then pulled over once to check that she was okay. Yeah. I also wet my finger so that I can. it's more sensitive to breath. Oh, my God. That is genius. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Don't, no, don't encourage this, this anxiety. <laughs> 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 yeah, so there's a lot of... There's a lot of watching her breathe. Um, and what about what about time? Does time matter anymore? Is there no concept of time? No, I was concerned about eight to eight fifteen because I just didn't know what she'd she'd be like last night. Uh, and then I realised at three a.m. when she decided that she didn't want to sleep, she just wanted to hang out because I don't know. She thought it was one p.m. That time doesn't matter, and you just can't control things. I I really thought there was a moment last week where I went, "Oh yeah, I've got this." I I understand the baby. She has all these things that she does and she has the order she does things. And the next day she did the total opposite. Mm-hmm. And then I went, oh, no, you just got to get over trying to understand things now, Sarah. Yeah. Like, so time doesn't matter. What's mm. she doing now? Is she awake? She's with Andrew because she didn't go back to sleep after 3 a.m. So Andrew oh. kindly, kindly stepped in at 5 and said, you just have a little snooze before you have to talk to people on radio. Um, so I sound less crazy. But I don't know that I do because I started the interview by saying that I had anger to get out. <laughs> was um was Andrew a strong and confident birth partner? So strong and confident. There were many many mantras. I did say to him when we went in, you have to make conversation with me. I don't want to hear an operation going on. But then when the time came, he was kind of sitting next to my head going, what do you want me to talk about? I was like, <laughs> Anything. <laughs> oh, my I, God. I, uh, when I popped around for a visit yesterday, she's June is such a beautiful, beautiful baby. Um, and also, got to uh, give a shout-out to Andrew for his um, swaddling skills. Oh, he's a king swaddler, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. In, in the hospital, I couldn't stand up for the first couple of days, so the nurses showed him how to swaddle and how to change nappies first, and he's just... But he didn't, he didn't interrupt him and go, excuse me, I've... I've done some of my own research on this and I've practised on a Collingwood stuffed toy. Magpie. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing. He didn't talk about the magpie. I actually saw the mag. So for the context of that, Andrew was practising um, swaddling and burping on a stuffed magpie toy from the 80s, a Collingwood-themed one, mm-hmm. before we gave birth. And I saw the poor magpie kind of wedged at the back of the car the other day. It had, it had obviously flown to the back and got wedged in the near the window. And I was like, oh, I hope that's not what happens when you have a second child and the first child just gets wedged, thrown, in, the- you know, wedged in the back of the car or whatever. <laughs> We're done with you. Um, and what did you make of the grand final? 
Oh, I forgot about the grand final. Mm. As if that's happened since I've been gone. Did you guys yeah. even talk about it without me? Yeah, we, yeah, we I didn't actually even realise um, Daniel was a Richmond supporter until after the fact. So that's how quiet it was kept. <laughs> yeah, there was a real Tigers burden that I had to lift. So, oh. but, but um, yeah, no, it was it was very exciting. I felt yeah, your your presence. I felt bad that we couldn't catch up about it. Was it was it monumental, or do you have too much going on? Oh, a bit too much going on. I was so yeah. heavily pregnant, and I went to a house. A, a friend had an empty house that we could go to because uh, our TV wasn't working, so we could watch it on TV. And it was it was really extraordinary, and I felt very emotional. But then it was just strange. It was like, all right, home we go, pack yeah. up, go to sleep. There was no kind of celebrations or anything. But in the aftermath, I really enjoyed buying all the papers and reading all the articles again and re-watching it at home and also securing June as a Richmond supporter because, uh-huh. frankly, whatever's been going on with Collingwood this last couple of weeks has been a disaster. So she's in. <laughs> That's it. Um, it's so exciting to see you and, yeah, the listeners, and we love you mm. very much. It's excellent to hear you back on the radio, oh, even though this is pretty weird, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. I feel like I've stepped into – I feel so weird. Anyway, I hope <laughs> I made, have I made sense? Am I yes, mate. Yeah, more sense than us. Oh, like really? You, yes. It's – it's been oh. so good. A lot, lot of love for you on the text line. I re- yeah. recommend you jump oh. on and have a look. Can I also just say I've been listening nonstop to Triple R since I had June and she has been – we just sit on the couch or me on the breast pump, which is an attractive vision for Melbourne, uh, <laughs> and we just listen to Triple R all day long and it's been such a saviour. You know how sometimes we get those texts from people saying thanks for – like thanks for being mm. there during maternity leave? I totally get it. Like she's – so she's an, like she's listening to Bigsy the other day. Bigsy the other day and was all angry, and so we're getting a we're getting her started young. Johnny, what would if you were doing the quiz? What would your buzzer be? Oh, my buzzer would be um, oh, no, don't do this to me again. Oh, sorry. Maybe it's like wah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! All right, and is there anything else people people want to know the weight, or are you allowed to ask that? Oh yeah, she was she was big. She was three point five, I think. Maybe she was heavy. She had a big head. She was heavy, <laughs> but then she lost a lot of weight, which mm. was stressful. But yeah, she's beautiful. She's got big chubby cheeks, which I think yeah. people go. When she came out, they went. Oh, what a cutie. And I said, no, you say that to everyone. I said, no, we really don't. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, All right. Well, Sarah Smith, we'll uh, hopefully talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks. Hi. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Triple R. You've been listening to a podcast of the best bits of the Breakfasters, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website.